Hello, and welcome to The Pump Spot. I'm Amy Van Heeren, and we are here sharing nourishing conversations about the many beautiful, unique, challenging, uplifting, powerful ways that we feed our families in the early months and years. And this week, we have a great conversation with Paula Mitchell, all the way from Australia. She has a really special feeding story as both she and her wife breastfeed their baby boy. Paula speaks with Lisa about the challenges and joys of inducing lactation as the non-gestational parent to feed and bond with her new baby. They talk about the medical process to induce lactation, the challenges of pumping at work, and why Paula is so happy to have made this decision for her family. Listen in and then join us in continuing this conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Share your questions and your own induced lactation story if you've been through a similar journey over on our Pump Spotting app. Here's the show. Okay, well, welcome, Paula, to the Pump Spot. We're so excited to have you here today. And you have a really beautiful, unique journey to building your family and now nourishing your family. And so I'd love to just give you the mic right away and have you introduce who you are and give us an insight into your family makeup. Yeah, look, thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here and great to be able to share um, some of the things both positive and perhaps a little bit negative that we've been through to get to this uh, point in our our journey. Um, So at home, it's myself and my wife, Jess, uh, and we have a currently seven-week-old baby boy, Parker, um, which, yeah, it's very exciting and um, it's been a bit of a wild ride to get where we are. So um, currently we both breastfeed him. Um, which is a really cool thing and everyone is very excited by that information whenever we tell them, you know, I say, I didn't carry him, Um, so I'm the non-gestational parent Um, and, yeah, everyone's very excited to learn that I also breastfeed our baby Um, and, uh, yeah, as I keep saying, it's it's definitely been a, it's been an experience to get where we are and, and it's great to have finally had some success in it. Um, but obviously we'll go into that a bit more as we, as we speak. How are you both feeling with a new baby and the demands and also sharing some of those demands, particularly with eating? Yeah. Having a newborn is, it's tough. There is nothing in the world that can prepare you for, for the demands that a newborn, uh, has like everything in your being is suddenly focused on on another life. Um, you know, you think having a having a puppy is hard, or you know, having to take it out to the toilet is hard, and then suddenly you've got this this another mouth to feed, and 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 just constantly um, the demand that's placed on you is is just incredible. Having said that, it is incredible. It's an amazing experience, and there is just nothing like it. Um, being able to um, focus on on giving our baby the best uh, the best start to life that we can, and being able to do it together is is a really special experience. Uh, it's nothing short of amazing, and and we have very quickly worked out a system that suits us both. Um, so I actually had the first seven weeks off 
of work. I've just gone back to work this week. And that's oh my just gosh. <laughs> oh, congratulations. And you're taking this call in the middle of such a big transition. <laughs> yeah. So I, I work shift work and I do days and nights and, and my roster is actually it's it's a great roster. Um, however, it's been a big change throwing going back to work back into the mix. Um, but you know, as I said, we're we're both managing. We we do our bit. Um, we definitely take it in turns. We're, we, you know, we almost have like a shift work roster here in the house just to make things work, and it it, it suits us both. So I think we're both pretty happy with that. <laughs> That's great. And now is Jess off of work? Did you kind of transition that time period or were you both off or is she planning to return to work? Give us the scenario of that. So luckily we actually both work for the same organization. Um, Essentially we are, we're like the equivalent of a 911 call taker. Um, So I do police calls and she does the ambulance or medic kind of calls. Um, and w- so we both work in the same same organisation. She's been able to take, she's applied for 12 months off of maternity leave. Um, some of that is paid. A lot of it is unpaid. But the fact that her job is waiting for her when she gets back is great. Um, and I just was lucky enough to have enough annual leave saved up um, to be able to take such a big chunk of time off. That's incredible. That's beautiful. And before I ask you about pumping at work, let's dig into the breastfeeding journey and what that looks like for you, particularly as the non-gestational parent. Did How early did you make that decision that you wanted to be a part of the experience? Obviously, being two mums in the, in the family dynamic, we have gone through the IVF process Uh, It's taken us two years, I guess, to get to this point where we've had a successful pregnancy and and a live birth. Um, So it was always on the cards that I would uh, want to breastfeed as well. So very early on in the pregnancy, from the time Jess was three months pregnant, uh, we started the process. So there's a, um, we followed the Newman Goldfarb protocol, which everything we've learnt, it's been self-research. We've looked at everything online, looking at forums, um, different different studies, and this was the most straightforward piece of, of research that we had found, and it just made it, it was set out so easily and it made the most sense. So we, from three months pregnant, uh, so six months ahead of, of birth, uh, I started taking the pill. The pill as in the birth control? The contra- yeah, or- yeah, sorry, yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. So I started taking the contraceptive pill, um, which is a weird thing when you're Get when you're pregnant. But um, yeah. so the contraceptive pill teamed up with Domperidone. And I was taking that, so it, it equated to about nine tablets a day, every day, from being three months pregnant, and which is fine if you're not terrible at taking tablets, which I am. So I, I had alarms set on my phone every every so every, every few hours, um, but we got there in the end. So then you just do that every day; nothing changes until about six to eight weeks before your expected due date. Um, And that's when the fun begins. And I use the term fun very, very loosely because 
a lot of it was not fun at all. Um, so at we decided at the eight week eight weeks to go mark, uh, I wanted to give myself as much time as possible to really establish a, a routine and, and establish a supply essentially. Um, so yeah, eight weeks to go, I stopped taking the contraceptive pill. Um, you you continue on with the dumb peridone and I, I will continue to take that until I'm ready to, to wean my supply. Uh, so I stopped taking the pill and from the following day, I started the pumping. Um, so trying to pump every two to three hours continuously. Um, some research says you, you can pump through the night. Some says you don't need to in the early days. Early days I didn't. Um, waking up through the night was was not something that I need. If I didn't need to do it straight away, I wasn't going to do it. Uh, so I tried to I tried to go three hourly, and then closer to the due date, I, I moved to two hourly. Um, but yeah, in the initial days, every three hours on the pump during my my regular waking hours, um, and then and at work. I'll explain my my work day, um, and then that'll make a bit more sense. But I, while I was at home, it was certainly every three hours on the dot. Alarms again ringing all day, every day, um, to to from you know from about six a.m. And yeah, it was it was it was an experience. Um, uh, the first two weeks were, I'm just going to put it out there. The first two weeks were hell for me. I really didn't have a good time um, mentally. It, for me, it was a mental game. It was it was a really tough time. I put it down to not having a gorgeous baby to look at, and and you know you're almost like thinking to yourself, why am I doing this? So I'm I'm waking up. I'm setting an alarm to get up to a machine and just sit there at the end of my bed and it's cold and I'm alone and it's dark and, and my wife is asleep in the bed next to me. It much, you know, kind of much like breastfeeding in, in, in the early days. But, um, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, every, every day I would say to Jess, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm giving up. This is too hard. Um, and she would just turn to me and say, that's not what you want. You don't want to give up, uh, which was exactly what I needed to hear at the time. <laughs> I think so many of us in those shoes need someone to say, that's not what you want. Even when you feel like quitting and you can't keep going and you don't have the strength to do it alone, having someone else speak that to you and remind you of your purpose or your commitment or your passion is, I mean, that's the difference between quitting or continuing on. And for you, I just can't imagine, like you said, the timing of it. You didn't have your beautiful baby to hold or look at yet. And you're tied up to a pump, which were you even producing milk at that point? Or were you still using that as a technique in those first two weeks to induce the lactation? I had some, it only took about three, maybe three days for some 
production to to come in so it, it started with just a few a few drips here and there and and you know a, a maybe a mill here or there and and you know it it's it is amazing seeing those first few drips and you go my gosh I'm actually doing it this is wild that would be an amazing experience to think oh my well especially for you who you're saying you're not good at taking pills all the time and you did that for months and months to have the reward of seeing that it was successful talk to me about the time though leading up to having the baby so you had you started 8 weeks out what was that like to endure that for eight weeks? Did you establish a healthy supply? Did you start a freezer stash? Did you overcome that feeling after the first two weeks of feeling like you couldn't do it anymore? A lot of, in, initially we had a, uh, the breast pump that we had was more of a, uh, like a, almost like a travel breast pump. It plugged in, it charged, and it held its own charge so you didn't have to be attached to the wall. Uh, I, it was the only one I'd ever seen, and we saw it at a, at a pregnancy expo. Uh, so I'd seen it work on a balloon, and I thought, wow, this is great, this is amazing. And I had it, and I hated it. I hated every minute. And then the moment we changed to it, we got a new pump. We spent the extra few hundred dollars and we got a new pump. And it, it, that was my game changer. That was what saved my experience. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's good to share with other parents in any respect of their breastfeeding and pumping journey is that sometimes the mechanism can make all the difference in the world. Yeah, it, it seriously, it saved my journey. And I honestly, you know, as I said, I've I explained or I, I mentioned to Jess that I wanted to give up and that was every day. And and she said, she would say, no, you don't. And I said, but I'm telling you this every single day. Surely this is a sign that, that, that I've had enough. But as I said, we bought the new pump and, and it changed my life. Um, it made it easier. It was not so painful. Um, the other pump that we had was only a single pump. So I had to sit, you know, 10 minutes on one side, 10 minutes on the other side. And that was my whole, you know, my whole time and, and setting up and packing up and, and it would take about half an hour each, each time. And, and throughout my work day, that's, that's, that's what was hard. So talk about this during your work day pre-baby and now we'll talk about work day now post-baby too but up to this you were already taking those hours out of your work day plus like you said you're a shift worker so some nights some days how did that work so my work day essentially is it's a 12-hour day and I work a almost an hour's drive away from home so I'm away from home for 14 hours at a time um, my work day is generally 7 till 7, so it's 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and then night shifts are 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Uh, in my work day, every, in every two-hour block, we get a half an hour break because we're on the phone constantly, constantly talking to people, um, so we're allowed that, that half an hour break in every two-hour block. Um, so... The way my pumping worked was every single break throughout my day, 
I would pump, with the exception of one break where I would not pump and I would eat instead. Um, I got really good at doing everything one-handed, um, which is which was great practice for having a baby, I guess, because then you become suddenly amazing at, at one-handed things. Yeah. Um, and but it was it was a very lonely I'm quite a social person I love I love chatting to to my colleagues and and just just you know the goss catching up on the goss and and you know just having a general chit chat um so having to use all of my breaks throughout my entire day sitting in a room by myself attached to this machine it became very isolating and very lonely so it was a long uh Eight, well, it, it ended up being six weeks to the time that that our son was born, but it was a very long, six long and lonely six weeks. Did you have space and support at work? You know, you had your time blocks, like you said, but you were using those now in a new way. Did you feel like your employer was supportive of giving you that time for that purpose, and you weren't just, you know? given a closet or something to support you. Yeah, so in the early days when I had the really terrible pump and everything took so much longer than it was supposed to, um, I, I just sort of sat down with my boss and I, 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 we've been really open and honest throughout our whole IVF experience. And I said to him, look, I'm, I'm doing this thing where I'm trying to induce lactation as well. Um, so if I'm a little bit longer back from being from my breaks, um, that's why I just let you know if I'm a few minutes late here or there, um, because we're on the phones and everything's recorded, every single minute has to be accounted for. Uh, so I, I just explained to him, I said, if, if, and that was reflected in my, in my feedback reports that we get, um, from our meetings with our manager so that if it ever came into question as to why I was late back every single break, it was recorded as to to why. Um, so he was super understanding and luckily his wife at the time was also pregnant. So he sort of had a bit more of an understanding of, of what was going on and what I was about to, what journey I was about to embark on. Wow. And compassion and empathy, especially from a male boss who will never or might not ever have this experience is something that's helpful because it's hard to bring up these conversations or have someone, you know, support you in your decision-making, especially if it's going to take time away from work. But ultimately we know that if we support this journey, we're going to be more satisfied. We're going to show up to work more as our whole selves. We are going to you know, the employer is going to retain us as employees if they can support us and this whole family life that we're living. So I'm really happy to hear that it wasn't a point of contention and that the conversation went really well. Hopefully, like you said, the timing of his wife going through this too just kind of opened his eyes to the needs and the time demand. And it truly is a time demand. Like you said, everything takes longer than you think. And there's so many parts to wash and sterilize and then you're packaging up your milk and transferring it back and forth. And I mean, it's, you're on a very intense, exclusive pumping journey leading up to baby. So now what is it like at work pumping post baby? You're just back this week. So I know it's brand new, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the room at work that we have is it's, 
colloquially known as the boob room. Um, so in the room itself, there is a sink, there's a tap, there's a, there's a small fridge, um, and a comf nice comfy couple of chairs. So so you can really relax and and allow yourself the space to to do what you need to do. Um, so now that I'm back at work, I the great thing is I get to pump a little less frequently. Um, now, as far as my supply goes, I don't have, and I, I want to say I don't yet have because I'm still trying to build it up, but I don't yet have a, a full supply. Uh, so when I feed Parker, uh, he, I, I do both sides and then he is still not quite satisfied. Um, so we'll either top him up with an expressed breast milk bottle or, or he'll go to Jess for just that little bit of a top up. Um, but so when I'm pumping at work, it's a little bit less frequently, sort of every second break or so. Uh, so every three to four hours uh, instead of every two hours. And I get, you know, over the course of the day, I probably build up a supply of about 100 mils while I'm at work. Um, I find uh, I, it's hard to, when you're actually breastfeeding, you don't see what, what is produced. You don't know how much he's, he or she, the baby, is actually getting. Um, so in when you see it in the pump, obviously the pump, or usually the pump is not as effective or, or you can get less. Some women exclusively breastfeed but don't do so well on the pump. Um, so it, it's hard to use that as a, as a measure as to what, what your supply is doing. Uh, however, over the course of the day, I get about 100 mils of, of expressed milk while I'm at work. Um, and as I said, that's a, uh, using a less frequent uh, pumping schedule and, and it, it feels better. It feels more natural rather than having to force myself to do that every single break and, and be so isolated. Hey friends, we want to take a quick break and remind you of all the places you can connect with us and this lovely pump spotting community. If you're a nursing, pumping, or new mom, or a seasoned mom who just wants to get back, hop on our app. If you're also working or you're part of a company that wants to support breastfeeding employees, then Pump Spotting at Work is for you. Find out more at pumpspotting.com. Now, how does it work sharing the breastfeeding responsibility with Jess? Because when you feed, she may have to pump or when you're at work, you're pumping. And then when you come home, you feed. I'm just trying to gather this picture of what a shared role can look like so that your bodies are both comfortable and getting that supply demand relationship to create know and establish the breastfeeding cycle really yeah so i i don't get so we our our experiences are very different between both jess and i even though we're both feeding the same baby obviously um i don't get the full breasts i don't get the pain when you know when the baby is due for a feed jess will say oh my my 
boobs suddenly got hard because he's ready. He must be hungry. I don't get that. I don't. I don't feel full. I don't feel um, pain or, or hardness of of the breast when I'm due for a feed. So I feel like my timing is a bit more relaxed. Uh, I can. I just sort of when I'm at home on on a non-work day, I'll pump just every few hours. Uh, usually we try and aim for when one is feeding, one is pumping. Um, it, it's in this household, everything is very flexible. <laughs> We're very uh, fluid in, in everything that we do. And, and if it doesn't happen, we don't tend to get stressed about things. That's great to hear. I think that's especially helpful in the newborn stage to be fluid and flexible because it's kind of demanded of us. Um, you said that you're continuing to take the one pill to sustain your supply and your milk production. Is that prescribed to you or where do you access that? And I know you did the research on how to do this, but have you worked with a provider or are continuing to work with any sort of expert provider during this process leading up to when when we were when the whole inducing lactation thing was just an idea for us before we started the journey everyone that we spoke to was more fascinated and intrigued about what we were going to do rather than having the knowledge to be able to help us so the whole process now looking back on it now it was very I want to say isolating, not in a negative way, but just the fact that we really felt like we were doing it alone. Um, everyone was super supportive and and excited for us that this was something we were going to do, but nobody knew how to help us. So our fertility specialist, uh, the one that we'd been seeing for about two years, he went on to be our obstetrician. So um, it was really great having him there for the entire process and when we explained to him that this is what we wanted to do he he initially started with wow that's amazing um you know all those supportive things that that a doctor should say um and then he said look i've had no experience i've he, he deals with a lot of same-sex couples going through the ivf process uh but he said that he's never had anyone that that has gone through this process before he said however I'm happy to to support you in, in whatever way you need. Uh, so he was my go-to guy for getting prescriptions written up. Um, he basically said, you know, send me your research, tell me what you need, and I'll just make it happen. So he would give me, he would write me a prescription for the Domperidone uh, and, and give me as many repeats as he could write on that script uh, as possible. So the one box of domperidone is like 25 tablets the maximum i can get prescribed at any one time is 200 tablets so i pick up 200 tablets every about every two weeks um and that was that was just on his you know like i said he just said yep what tell me what you need and i'll make it happen that's fascinating too that you're providing him with the research and he's learning along your journey. I am very intrigued by the fact that he works with many same-sex couples in IVF and hasn't experienced a couple such as you. 
wanting to pursue this. And so I hope that it opens his doors and his ability to support patients even further in their journey. And I, I think that's an intimate experience to carry over, like you said, from going through fertility treatments through the obstetrician process and having the baby. Um, does this cost a lot out of pocket for you to pursue this journey? Here in Australia, I think we're really quite lucky the way uh, that prescription medication works and the whole medical and healthcare system works. It's very different to some other parts of the world. Uh, I'm, I'm a member of quite a few different uh, lactation groups on Facebook and, and IVF groups on Facebook. And I know um, a lot of the meds that some families or women or, or whoever it may be that need to take for their process um, can be quite costly in, in other parts of the world. So here in Australia, I each time I get the prescription filled, I get 200 tablets and it costs me about 20 Australian dollars, which is probably about what, 14 or 15 US dollars. Uh, and, and it's easy to find. I never have any supply issues getting the, the actual medication. My local pharmacy stocks it and I'm able to get as much as I need at any one time. There's definitely differences in healthcare coverage and availability throughout the world. So it's interesting to highlight that where you are, it is accessible to you. And I'm happy that wasn't something that hindered what you wanted to accomplish because that would have made it so much harder <laughs> and it's already a hard journey. Yeah, I think if if anything else popped up that was going to negatively impact the journey, I think that would have been it. It would have been just another thing that was just too hard and uh, it I'm I might not be sitting here talking to you today, ex, you know, talking about my experience. So do you have a lot of other mothers or families coming to you now to about this experience or gain those insights of how you're making this work? Locally, I guess, not not so much. We've actually been, since Parker's been born, we've been to see a local lactation consultant that works through our local hospital here. Now, we, we didn't deliver at our local hospital, but being that we're within the local council, they're more than happy to, to see us as a, I guess, as a patient. Um, uh, and that's covered by our, our healthcare system. Uh, so I don't pay anything to go and see her, which is great. Uh, and she has said, she has asked me, and, and we haven't really established any um, any connections at this stage, but she's asked me if, you know, if she comes across this scenario again with another family, whether or not I'd be willing to offer some assistance or just be a, a lifeline in in people being able to reach out and, and ask questions. And of course, I'm more than happy to to help out where I can. I'm I'm no expert in this. I can only speak on my on my journey and what I've been through. So always happy to to help out those in need and and 
always be honest about my experience. It wasn't great in the beginning and there are still times where I might say, oh, this is so hard or, oh, I don't want to or why am I doing this? But then I just look at my little baby and I go, oh, that's why. (laughs) There's such a sweet reminder of why, that's for sure. Do you have a breastfeeding goal that you've set for yourself? I guess initially it was just to to um, establish a supply and be able to feed. Ideally, I would like to be able to give him a whole feed without him wanting more. There are, there have been, actually just yesterday, there was um, an occasion he was really, really unsettled. He, I think he's having some belly aches and, and just a bit of a rough time. He's going through his first leap at the moment, so that's a really fun time too. Um, and... Uh, you know, everything that we did, we we did the belly rubs and, and, you know, compressing the legs up to the chest and gave him a warm bath and all of the things. And then finally we got him settled enough to to attach onto myself, onto my breast, and he fed himself to sleep, which was one of the first times that that's happened for me. And then we put him down to bed and and that's the first time. So whether or not that means my supply is becoming established uh, or or whether he was just so worn out from all the screaming, I don't know, but I'll take it. It's a victory and it's mine. So It's a win. That's a win. Yes. I'll take that as a win for sure. I'll write that one down. You'll want to keep that memory forever. That's yeah. for sure. Um, tell us. For anyone who might be listening to this podcast episode who's interested in pursuing an induced lactation journey, what would you tell them? I guess set yourself goals, have some expectations, but make them realistic. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And what about all of these other people who you've connected with in groups going through these journeys, what has that meant to you in terms of having community support to rely on, whether they're going through the same exact thing or not? It's nice to know that you're not the only one going through it, but it's also amazing to see just how different everybody's journey is. No matter how many things that you are doing are the exact same, everyone's experience is just so different. So while I'm saying I had a really terrible time in the beginning and, and my supply isn't isn't quite where I want it to be and so on, someone else might do the exact same process and have a really different result. Uh, and I guess using the, the Newman-Goldfarb protocol, there's always the risk. And just like any naturally uh, birthing mother's breastfeeding journey, it may or may not work for you, and there's always that risk. Um, it's you know a bit of a gamble, but you just have to do the best that you can, and in the hopes that you'll you'll get what you want. So, speaking of that, how is the journey going for Jess? Has she run into challenges? Did her supply come in right away? You also both have different journeys of producing milk. Right back at the beginning of our conversation, you asked about freezing breast milk and having a storage. Um, the one thing that I didn't do enough of pro- in, in that whole six weeks of, of pumping before Parker was born, I froze some. I didn't realise that I could add my milk over the day to 
the one pouch and freeze it. So I didn't freeze a lot. I wish I had have frozen every single drop from the beginning, no matter how small, because it all really came in handy when he was born um so we took we probably took about 500 mils of frozen expressed breast milk to the hospital with us when he was born he went to the special care nursery for a short time and he was fed my expressed breast milk whilst we waited for jess's milk to come in uh, which was great because it meant that he was never formula fed and i'm we're not a household that is against formula feeding at all. Uh, any way you can get that baby to eat food, you just do it. Uh, so we were just lucky that in our um, experience, we've been able to have him fed breast milk from the beginning. And when we went into the hospital, um, you know, have, telling, we, I had to sign a waiver form saying that he was consuming donor milk, even though it was my milk and I'm also the mother, um, but I'm not the birth mother. So they, they apologised and they said, we're sorry you have to do this process, but it's just so that we're covering our bases. But for us, that was always the, the goal for him to always be breastfed. So while we waited for Jess's milk to come in, he was on my, my breast milk. And then Jess's supply eventually came in over the next few days and boy, did it come in in a big way. Um, so she ended up with an oversupply very quickly uh, to the point where she had to express a little bit off the top before feeding because it was just too much for poor little Parker's mouth. He just couldn't couldn't um, cope uh, with, with that gush of milk that was coming out to him. So she unfortunately ended up with blocked ducts, borderline mastitis. Uh, so she's already been through that in, in the first month. Um, and, you know, at the same time she's recovering from, she ended up having a C-section. So she's recovering from her C-section. She's got mastitis and all of these other fun things that are happening for her. Um, so it's, it's been up and down for both of us, but it's starting to sort of settle and, and, you know, we're getting into our routine and we're, we're both starting to, to have a bit more of a fun time, which is good. That's good to hear. I mean, the transition, the postpartum healing process, recovery process, just phase of adjustment can be a lot. And then you add in pain and problems, feeding, and it's packed on top of sleeplessness and all of those things. It can be really overwhelming. So even if you're sharing that responsibility, you both have those overwhelming experiences going on, especially like you said, if you were hooked up to a pump at first that made you want to quit, that wasn't working for you. I mean, I can imagine that you're both appreciative of settling into a, a new routine and, you know, seven weeks, even though he's going through a leap right now is, you know, starting to phase into not as teeny tiny of a newborn baby. And everyone I'm sure is getting a handle on things and feeling comfortable with one another. Um, is there anything else that you want to share about this journey that you think would be insightful or helpful to anyone in our community? The best piece of advice I, I ever got, and I tell myself this on a regular basis, and I wish someone told me this, this it's like five or six words, and it would have really done me well to to 
repeat this over and over in those early stages and it's don't quit on a bad day if things are hard don't give up just yet it's it's wait till you're having a good day and then and then try and quit and then trust me you won't want to because everything will be going good and you'll know exactly why you're going through this so don't quit on a bad day has been my mantra since you know since Early on, not early enough, though, perhaps for me. Well, and you have Jess to remind you, nope, that's not what you want to do. (laughs) (laughs) So helpful and so amazing to have a supportive partner and just to have the support of those around you in this process. I have been so intrigued by your story and your journey and just your ease and calmness in parenting that is perceived through this conversation. So I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time for sharing what this looks like for you. And we know that this is going to give so much encouragement to other families, no matter what their journey looks like. You have given tidbits of information about switching pumps to, you know, working with a provider on, a process of inducing lactation that they might not be familiar with that I know is going to serve in such a big way. So thank you, Paula. I really, really appreciate it. No, thanks so much for taking your time out to to include me in this amazing um, podcast that you guys do and, and so informative and and. I wish I had have found it earlier. Uh, it's it's amazing, and you guys do a really great job. It, also, w- when I touched on uh, every everybody's journey being different, you know, doing this in isolation in because at the moment here in 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 Melbourne in Australia we're still in lockdown, um, and sometimes accessing the help that we need is harder because people can't travel, people can't come and see you, you have to go and see them, but this is after you've done, you know, umpteen telephone appointments and they really make sure that they have to come and see you and and so on. So everyone's journey is so different and and just being able to share my my one-person experience is, um, if hey, if it helps someone just get through their their time and their experience, then I'm more than happy to, to help. Well, we are so confident that it will. So thank you. And we wish you and Jess and Parker the best. And we're so happy to have you on and part of this community. This has been the Pump Spotting Podcast. We'll be continuing the conversation and hanging out over on our app. We hope you'll come by to share your story and thoughts. And if you haven't already downloaded Pump Spotting, it's quick and easy to set up your profile and join the community. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to our wonderful production team at Pitchwire, who partner with us to bring you these stories. We'll see you next time. And remember, you are capable, you are radiant, and you are not alone.